she's telling me this as I'm like half naked, <laughs> just stuck in this dress. And I'm like, sorry, what? I said, yeah, you you have to wear high heels. All the women that we have on our floor, they have a certain expectation of appearance and you have to wear high heels. I'm Lady Hey y'all, and welcome to Unladylike, the podcast that finds out what happens when women break the rules. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today, we're talking to British actor and activist Nicola Thorpe. Very important question, considering the topic of our chat today. What shoes are you currently wearing? (laughs) I'm wearing some Adidas um, white trainers. (laughs) In 2015, Nicola had a very bad day at work and wound up kicking off an international movement to ban mandatory high heels at work. Yeah, but if you're the gatekeeper Mm. to those meetings and you're taking very important clients to meet besuited guys, is it actually sexist for the company to say to you, we'd like you to look fantastic as well and to look glamorous and to wear heels and really set a kind of, whoa, well, that's the last bit, isn't it? To look professional, yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Not to look glamorous. What kind of part are we telling women that they need to play if their part... Same as the men, I No, think. if your part includes wearing heels which change your physicality, they were designed to make women look sexier, not more... That was Nicola taking on none other than Piers Morgan, king douchebag. Head <laughs> douchebag, totally. So today we're focusing on what went down with Nicola and high heels in the UK. But of course, y'all, women all around the world are expected or even required to wear high heels as part of their jobs. Yeah, jobs like restaurant servers, hotel concierges, bank tellers, flight attendants, strippers, like you name it, Caroline. Exactly. And what we're also investigating is who really gets to choose their footwear choice on the clock and how gender dress coding like that is even legal. And Kristen, you and I were also super fascinated slash confused at how high heels are considered both the most professional and the sexy shoes we wear. Like, talk about some mixed messages when you're trying to get taken seriously and navigate your workplace. Since Nicola has become kind of the face of this whole issue, we were so pumped to get to talk to her today to find out why she got so riled up about high heels, what came out of it, and how high heels became the foundational footwear for women in the workplace. I was working for an agency. Um, I've been an actress at that point for about five years and I had some TV gigs, theatre gigs, but in between I wasn't one to just sit and wait for the phone to ring. So I would do temp work. Back in 2015, Nicola spent most of her days dressed in black business wear. She worked for this temp agency called Portico that sent her around London for different jobs. Sometimes she worked in corporate offices as a receptionist. Or I'd work in Harrods as a perfume haul girl, like spraying perfume on people who didn't want perfume. (laughs) Um, And so this particular job was for a global accountancy firm called PricewaterhouseCooper or PwC. Um, And it was my first day there on the job. And that's when this incident occurred. Nicola had come to work that day dressed in a dark suit with a jacket and trousers, and on her feet were a pair of low-key black flats. So I get taken to meet my manager, and there's this other guy there as well who 
um, was also going to be doing my job with me. And he was wearing a similar thing, smart trouser suit, flat shoes. And this woman calls me in and she's like, okay, um, you, we actually give you the dress that we want you to wear. Like they literally had a dress for Nicola to change into. This kind of thing didn't happen that often, but it actually wasn't unheard of. So Nicola went with it and followed this lady to go change. So she takes me, she takes me into this like pokey little staff room with like lined with lockers and people's crap. And I start getting changed. And she looks at my feet and she's like, where are your high heels? And I say, well, I don't have any. These are the shoes I'm going to wear. And she said, well... We have a high heels only policy for women. So again, I'm in my bra and knickers and I'm sort of looking really confused at this woman and saying, well, I don't get it. Like that guy who's doing his job with me, he's wearing flat shoes. And she said, look, we're just going to have to send you back to your agency. There's going to be another girl who will come and will wear high heels. Now, unless you want to go out now and buy a pair down the road and come back, you're fired. Nicola was shocked. I mean, the job she'd been hired to do that day was to greet clients at reception and walk them back and forth to meeting rooms, up and down the stairs, for nine hours. Yeah, so she called this lady out and was like, listen, if you're not requiring that guy over there to wear heels too, this is sexist. And she just laughed in my face. It was like, meh, I don't care what you think it is. Rules are rules. This is our policy. Like it or lump it. So I just left. Nicola says she had signed a contract with that temp agency Portico, saying that she would, sure, wear heels if required on the job. Although, in her 18 months working for them, nobody had really enforced that rule. So did you have any sense, when you were going to that job at Pricewaterhouse, that you were maybe going to be violating the dress code? Like, Kind of, kind of not. Because I, I knew that that job was going to be me on my feet for nine hours a day. I was like, there's no way they're going to expect me to wear high heels. Absolutely no way. Oh, and it wasn't just a high heel. It had to be between two and four inches. And I'm like, I, I mean, I'm. you're going to make me like six foot two. This is, <laughs> this is crazy. Why do you think there was the the specific measurement? Like, what is it about a heel that's between two and four inches as opposed to a flat or, like, a super tall stiletto? Oh, I think it's because... I think that's them thinking that they're being practical. They're like, oh, yeah, no more than four, because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> but less than two doesn't quantify a heel. Like, that, I think that was them trying to consider health and safety to some degree. And high heels weren't the only ridiculous dress code Nicola had to follow while temping. Sometimes there were makeup requirements, like down to the lipstick shade. Other times she had to wear certain types of jewelry. She was used to her appearance being scrutinized and regulated at work. But that day at Price Waterhouse, Nicola had enough. Uh, I, rem- I remember walking out and feeling, like, angry and upset but not wanting to show this random woman how upset I really was. And I just was this kind of pent-up frustration of, like, I just want to work. Like, I just want to do a job. And I'm really pissed that you're not going to let me do that for such a stupid reason. So, yeah, I left. And um, the first thing I did was I (laughs) I called my dad. 
I remember the first thing he said to me is like, now I know what you like, stay calm. Because he knows I have a habit of, you know, um, when there's something is unjust, sometimes I can't see the wood for the trees. And I just, you know, it, I, I feel like this almost explosion inside myself of like, this isn't right. This isn't fair. How can no one see this? And he told me to chill the fuck out. <laughs> and uh, I remember him saying to me, you know, you're struggling for rent money. I can't help you. Um is it worth just biting your tongue and buying the shoes and going back in? And I said to him, no, I I just don't think I can do that anymore. It was it was not just about shoes, you know, anyone listening to this might think, oh God, you've caused a load of fuss over a pair of shoes, but it was obviously way, way more than than that. It's what it represented. Um expectation higher expectations of women in the workplace and it it also highlighted to me the fact that I was more disposable mm. because of my gender it was like there will be another girl who is willing to do this and you're replaceable Nicola spent the next six or so months figuring out what she could even do about all of this so she called up Citizens Advice, which is this UK hotline that literally exists to help people navigate all sorts of legal, health, and consumer systems. You sound so excited I, by this hotline. I am genuinely, my <laughs> mind is blown, and I'm obsessed. I wish I had something similar. But the thing is, when she talked to them, it didn't seem like there was much to be done. Yeah, the operator told her that she could essentially let it go, or she could try to sue the company under the current law. It basically stated that as an employer, you have a right to expect men and women to dress differently if you say so. However, you can only ask them to dress differently if you're treating them the same. You're not, for example, asking men to wear something that's more or less comfortable than the woman. Now, my argument was, well, high heels are definitely less comfortable than like a flat brogue shoe. So you are putting the women at a disadvantage. But they were kind of like, eh, well, it's not been tested in law. So we don't know whether you'd be right or wrong unless you want to take it to an employment tribunal, um, which, by the way, costs £1,200 and takes 28 weeks to complete. Plus, in that tribunal situation, Nicola would be suing Price Waterhouse Coopers, a company with access to some of the best lawyers in the world. So Nicola set off on a third path. I was like, okay, this is bullshit. I'm going to change the law. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm really curious to know what your dad thought <laughs> when, when he found this out. To be honest... When I told him, he was like, well, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he was like, I have absolutely no doubt that that's what you're going to do. Now, in case you're wondering, the UK's law works pretty similar to the way it works here in the US. Like, enforcement is what makes all the difference. And here in the States, gender dress coding at work is a surprisingly gray area that's determined kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. And back in the UK, Nicola knew she needed to make a fuss about the current law so it could be changed, or at least enforced. To figure out how to do that, she got to Googling and searched, how do you change the law? And after she hopefully avoided some terrible Yahoo answers, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Google told her that in the UK, if you start a petition that gets over 100,000 signatures, then your issue will be debated in Parliament. Nicola couldn't let her dad down. She started that online petition. What was interesting about the petition was the the title of it was um, Make It Illegal for an Employer to Force Women to Wear High Heels in the Workplace. And that really struck a chord with people because I don't think that they thought, well, surely it's already illegal. And probably the, the truth of it was, it was already illegal, but the law hadn't been tested. It wasn't working. And for me, a law is only as useful or as practical as the people who are using it. And if they're not using it, then what use is that law? The petition blew up practically overnight. More than 152,000 people who eventually signed the petition agreed with Nicola that the law as it stood was not useful enough. And pretty much immediately, the agency she worked for, Portico, ditched their mandatory heels policy. Yes. But, you know, by this point, Nicola had her eyes on a much bigger prize than getting one company to change its sexist policy. She was starting to connect the dots between what happened to her at PwC, what was happening to the folks signing her petition, and to other dress code-related ridiculousness that she had experienced temping. And I'd worked in, like, Facebook, but the agency that hired me to work at Facebook, they were the ones who were like, you have to wear this shade of lipstick and this length of skirt and this height of heel. Now, is anyone at Facebook (laughs) going to object to me wearing no lipstick? No, but they're hiring companies that fire women on the back of this. At Harrods, there were girls who, in my interview, uh, black women who were turned away because they were told that their natural hair was not professional enough and they were told to come back when they'd had it chemically straightened. Mm. And it was just another thing that these agencies were expecting, all in the name of public image. And I was like, do you know what? Screw them. I'm going to take their public image and try and destroy it as much as possible because maybe then they'll take notice. When we come back, we're going to hear from some unladylike listeners who've also been required to wear heels at work. And after some high-heeled claptrap, we're going to learn the public reaction to Nicola's viral petition. Don't run away like Carrie Bradshaw in heels. We're back. And in addition to talking to Nicola, we of course wanted to know how other unladies feel about all those high heel expectations at work. So we asked, and y'all answered with plenty of heels feels. Most of you either love or hate them. We didn't hear from a ton of in-betweeners like us, Caroline. Um, But we did hear from a surprising number of y'all who have indeed been required or, you know, strongly encouraged to wear heels at work. Here's what a few of y'all had to say. Hi, Unladylike. My name's Holly, and I work in media and journalism in Australia. I've worked in several different newsrooms, and in none of them has it ever been explicitly stated that women should wear heels. It's all very much implied, though, and especially as a young reporter, the pressure to look camera-ready and look like the reporters you see on TV so that you can get and then keep those jobs is really, really huge. This is challenging for me as someone who identifies as female but prefers to wear more masculine clothing and it's a challenge with the whole question of what do I wear to look like a reporter but also like me. 
Hi, my name is Kelly Jackson, and I live in Kansas City. Um, when I was in college, I was a stripper, and we were required to wear heels. And it was, you know, in an attempt to um, create hypersexuality and all of that, just like things like red lipstick and long hair do. Um, but now I am a sexual health educator by profession, and I wear heels and they kind of make me feel more powerful, I guess. I'm also 5'2", so <laughs> that may play a part in it. Hey, so I'm calling regarding your high heel episode. My name's Megan, and I used to be a shoe manager for a large retail company. And I was told by my boss that in order to, quote, be a leader, I need to wear the shoes I sell, unquote. And I used to really enjoy wearing high heels going out with my girlfriends and getting dressed up, but... Being required to wear them so I could be noticed or promoted really did a number on my feet and my knees. I don't ever want to wear them again. I'm not even wearing heels for my wedding. Yeah, I'm a little bitter sometimes about uh, women in high heels. We also heard from Jade, who's a performer in L.A., who said that in the musical theater world, not only do you have to wear heels on stage, like, you gotta wear a specific brand. So basically what you guys are the standard of character shoe in the musical theater business. If you don't have a Laduca, you're not being taken seriously, which sucks because um, they're very expensive. But at the same time, Laducas are truly the highest standard of shoe. Caroline, I'm kind of excited to Google Laducas because I'd never heard of them before. Same. I'm out of the Laduca lupa. <laughs> But of course, like high heels aren't necessarily great for your feet, especially if you're wearing them all the time or, you know, Caroline, even for a weekend in Vegas. Oh, an ill-advised weekend. Yeah. So back in March, I went to my best dude's bachelor party in Vegas and wore a pair of heels that were way too tall. I thought I would just look good. Girl, we walked around Caesar's Palace for about 70 hours. I am literally still experiencing, like, tendon and joint pain from that. You went to Vegas with a heel and came back with an orthopedic boot. <laughs> That's not a lie. Um, but no, I. so as a result, I can, like, totally empathize with why Nicola would not want to be walking around an office for nine hours a day in heels. It's awful. Oh, yeah. And it's that whole mandatory issue that Nicola is really stuck on. Like, in her personal day-to-day -day life, she's like, I don't—I'm not anti-heel. I don't mind wearing them from time to time. And she says that after her petition hit the internet— she heard from pregnant women who'd been forced to wear heels, waitresses who'd had to limp through blisters, flight attendants forced to wear heels before they even got on the plane. I mean, listen, y'all, like even the most powerful ladies in the land cannot escape society's bizarre high heel rules. You guys have probably heard about Brexit, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> has, that, has that made it across the pond? Okay. So it's the biggest pile of wank ever. Um, and when there were talks between uh, our leader, Theresa May, and Scotland's Nicola Sturgeon, and on the front of, I think, possibly the most popular newspaper, unfortunately, over here, um, there was a photo of them talking to each other. So they both were wearing skirts and high-heeled shoes. The headline was, never mind Brexit, what about Legsit? Oh, and come on. Yes, I know. And this was at the time when we're like, we're supposed to be discussing 
the most important uh, change in our political landscape in the past, you know, 40, 50 years. And yet the headline is reducing these two women to their legs. Caroline, you know I love a good pun, mm-hmm. but legs it. Yeah, I Come know. Come on. I know. I mean, there is so much claptrap surrounding high heels in the workplace, and I think it's high time we unpack it. Unpack the Claptrap is the part of the show where we unlace patriarchy's bullshit sneakers to find <laughs> out why things are the way they are. And like we mentioned earlier, Caroline, like it truly ties my brain in knots to consider how high heels are at once the sexiest and the most professional shoe in the feminine wardrobe. And I feel like we really heard this in the experience of listener Kelly, who wore a certain kind of stiletto when she was a stripper to bring all the boys to the yard. But now she also wears high heels by choice because she gets a professional sense of empowerment from them. So it's not that high heels are bad. They can just send out a lot of confusing mixed signals. Chris and I also don't know of any other fashion staple that's more medically controversial than high heels. Like, it's probably news to exactly none of you that wearing high heels regularly can have super painful side effects. And I'm not just talking about blisters. Right. And now's the time when we talk about biomechanics. (laughs) (laughs) Wearing high heels basically shifts a bunch of our body weight pressure to the front of your foot, and that can strain tendons and weaken your ankle muscles over time. And according to a 2016 study in the British Medical Journal, high heels can cause not just bunions and foot cramps, but also back pain, spinal injury, and osteoarthritis. (laughs) No big deal. No big deal. Okay, so with that horrifying medical minute out of the way, folks might be wondering why the fuck women are walking around in these things to begin with. Oversimplified answer? Tits and ass, babies. <laughs> like, when anybody, including, you know, uh, Louis Fourteenth, walks around in heels, like, they force us to stick out our butts and our boobs more than we normally would. And you combine that with, like, the smaller steps you usually have to take, and it's pretty obvious why the whole feminine sex appeal thing has stuck around. In other words, high heels are sexy, and that is not just me saying that. Data backs that up. Studies today find that men and women alike rate women wearing heels as more attractive than women in flats. But to understand how women in the workplace got stuck with these shoes, there are two main things we need to know about the history of high heels. Thing number one... (laughs) Men wore them first. Soldiers on horseback, to be specific. Yeah, so they originated in 10th century Persia to help dudes keep their feet in stirrups, which is also, fun fact, why cowboy boots come with such a lovely, chunky heel. I know. Why are cowboys always left out of the histories of high heels? I don't know. In the West, you know, not the cowboy West, but like the global West, high heels signified class before they had anything to do with gender. Yeah, and part of this was practical. Like, back in the day before indoor plumbing, the streets were disgusting. So high heels or platform shoes helped elevate aristocrats from the everyday muck, literally and figuratively. And it was a dude, King Louis XIV, who really brought high heels to the height of fashion. Mm. He specifically loved how heels made his fetching legs look. Hey, I get that. I mean, he had a nice calf. Hashtag relatable. But then in the 18th century, we get two wham-bam cultural movements that take high heels down a peg. 
the Enlightenment, and the French Revolution. Yeah, and Enlightenment philosophy basically helps solidify the idea that men are these logical, rational beings who are focused on practicality, while women are frivolous, emotional creatures who should honestly just stay inside. The French Revolution came along and hammered the aristocracy. And, you know, those were the guys and gals wearing the high heels. So for a hot second, and by that I mean roughly a century, high heels were out for everybody. But by the late 1800s, high heels come creeping back, but only for women. Because now it was considered feminine to be idle and frivolous. And what shoe are you going to wear when you're being idle and frivolous? A high heel. Mm-hmm. And get this. In the 1870s, there were these high-heeled ankle boots all the rage, and they were called Louis XIV's naturally. But the thing is, y'all, they were fucking up women's feet left and right. (laughs) However, doctors initially diagnosed the discomfort as resulting from girls, quote, pathological nervous state and just prescribe them bed rest. I mean, if I'm wearing heels for too long, I want to lie down, too. I mean, doctors were essentially like, it's not your high heels, it's your hysteria. Go lay down. (laughs) And that actually brings us to high heel history fact number two. They basically mirror the evolution of women's status in the workplace. It's true. Starting in the late 1800s, when women were mostly relegated to low-level jobs, heels were not considered professional because nothing women wore could be considered professional like the men folk. Right. I mean, women walked into the workplace in high heels really because fashion. Yeah, like the first women really required to wear heels at work were shop girls. So around the turn of the 20th century, you have this huge retail boom for the first time. And these usually very underpaid and overworked shop girls were expected to wear the fashions of the day, including high heels. But they had to do all of that while working 12 to 14 hour shifts. And they were not allowed to sit down, regardless of whether anyone was even in the store. They had to stay on their feet and really just serve as eye candy. Yeah, and jumping ahead to World War II, it really wasn't uncommon for Rosie the Riveters to wear high heels with their coveralls. The funny thing is, though, as women's professional prospects rose over the decades, high heels came to symbolize women's supposed power, not just a standard fashion item or frivolity. Yeah, and I've got two words for that phenomenon, Caroline. Feminine apologetic. And that's a fancy sociological term for basically this gendered tightrope that money-making women are expected to tread, like overemphasizing feminine presentation via high heels in order to counterbalance the masculinity that we ascribe to hard work, ambition, and independence. It's basically a way of saying, like, I'm not a threat. Yeah, we really see this blowing up with working girls in the 80s. Professional ladies in their shoulder-padded power suits would get criticized as mannish if they didn't wear heels. But they also wanted to get taken seriously. So high fashion swoops in and basically made the choice for us. Designers were pushing back against this idea that women would look anything other than sexy. So they pushed power dressing on them. And and the look had to be accompanied by high heels, killer heels, in order to look like you could get the job done. But there is another practical element to this, like especially since height is an uber masculinized trait, putting on high heels and elevating yourself to be like eye level or above to like a male boss or coworker 
can potentially like even some gendered power dynamics. I am speaking from personal experience <laughs> for this. I mean, <laughs> at the very least, you can make some dudes nervous. Oh, but the heel cannot be too tall and stiletto-y, Kristen. Otherwise, you won't get taken seriously. For a professional lift, you're gonna need a sensible pump. Here we go again with those mixed signals, right? I mean, and, and really, high heels supposed power and meaning also depends on the status and quote-unquote respectability of your job to begin with. And as we heard from Nicola, all those classist, sexist ideas around respectability really helped fuel the excitement around her petition. So in terms of the petition, why do you think it attracted so much attention and so swiftly? Um, I think it shocks people. I think it really shocks people that in 2016, which is when it, the news story first broke, that a woman could lose her job over something so petty. But you know what? I still got, I still got a huge backlash, like a huge backlash from women going, um, you know, well, this is what we've had to put up with. Older women, mm -hmm. generally speaking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had to do this. And also, so what, a company doesn't want you to come in looking disheveled. Like, what's wrong with that? I'm like, well, I don't look disheveled. I look polished. I look smart. I just don't have an extra four inches of height on me. People were definitely riled up. One prominent feminist organization in the UK, the Fawcett Society, started this hashtag Fawcett Flats Friday. And that's Fawcett as in F-A-W-C-E-T-T, -T, not Fawcett as in like water faucet. And hundreds of women used Fawcett Flats Friday to post selfies of them wearing flats and sneakers on the job in solidarity with Nicola. And then with men, uh, so many supportive men who were incredible and signed the petition on the basis that they didn't want to be part of a system that allowed for that to happen. Were you surprised by the, the men being so supportive or, or was that just like, ah, oh, great? Um, I don't think I was surprised. I guess they were, they were more surprised than anything. They were like, I, I just can't believe that this is a thing. And then what surprised me was like, how can you not know that this is a thing? Like, are your girlfriends, your sisters, your, your mates not telling you that this happens? And then I realized that actually I hadn't really told my friends about it happening and it sparked a conversation where more and more people were like oh yeah I actually got fired for not wearing lipstick I got fired for not wearing makeup and all this stuff came out and people began talking about it. Nicola wasn't the only one raising a ruckus over mandatory heels. Two Canadian provinces banned them around the same time her petition was circulating and the issue even hit the red carpet. No shoes, no problem if you're Julia Roberts. The Cannes Film Festival is one of the most prestigious and formal events in the world. And yet, Julia Roberts recently made headlines for going barefoot on the red carpet. Because at Cannes Film Festival, there was a high heel pol policy for women on the red carpet. And Julia Roberts walked the red carpet in a floor-length gown. And then as she was walking up the steps to go into the venue, she lifted up her skirt and revealed that she wasn't wearing any shoes at all, <laughs> ah! which is wonderful. Um, she's an absolute babe. Back at home, Nicola's petition had collected enough signatures to warrant a parliamentary debate. Yes, she took high heels to parliament, y'all. 
And we're going to find out what happened when we come back. What I thought was hilarious is that they'd they'd hired a load of podiatrists and like osteopaths to come in and talk about why high heels are bad for you. And I'm like, hon, you didn't have to spend any money on this research. Like, just trust me. Women know how painful these shoes can be. We're back with actress and activist Nicola Thorpe. And she's talking about the investigation British Parliament conducted into mandatory high heels thanks to her petition. So there were two basic phases of the investigation. First, figuring out what was going on, and second, deciding what the government should do about it. Now, the first phase was pretty successful. Like, they started collecting testimony from experts, doctors, Nicola herself. And there were thousands, I mean, like hundreds of thousands of women who had got in contact to say that it wasn't just what they'd been asked to wear in the workplace that made them feel uncomfortable, but certain levels of behavior from employers, for example, certain employers would ask them to wear a particularly see-through blouse and that led to harassment. Obviously the harassment shouldn't happen in the first place, but to me it is sexual harassment if your employer is asking you to wear high heels. High heels are a sexualized item of clothing and any insistence on someone wearing them when they are completely unnecessary to me is harassment. Well, and one one aspect of the the inquiry that I hadn't even considered before was um, reports of women not just required to wear makeup, but to continually reapply their makeup on the job. Yes. So I had that on a particular job. Every two hours, we would have a, a break to go and freshen up our makeup. Um, okay. Wait, 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 which- wait. wait. <laughs> Caroline is, like, about to throw throw the table out the window. Yeah. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. So, wait. So, you're you're hiring me, whether as an employee or as a temp, to come to your office to do work. But then you're saying, hey, hey, girl, hey, stop <laughs> what you're doing. Go to the bathroom and put on new makeup. Well, that would suggest, too, that, yeah. like, the makeup is part of the work. Exactly. Are they paying for my makeup? <laughs> like, <laughs> nope, they never would. And this is the thing is that I would be challenged by so many different employers and I'd say, okay, if you want to put it down in black and white that it is literally my job to look pretty, do it. And then I can be an informed employee. But they knew all of the trouble that that would get them into. It is not essential for anybody ever to have to wear high heels. But absolutely, there should be a choice for people to wear high heels if they so wish. I personally think all men should be allowed to wear high heels if they wish in the workplace. But our society and our lawmakers are so far behind on progressive gender fluid matters that you know that blows their tiny little minds speaking of tiny little minds let's talk about phase two parliament figuring out what to do about these dress code issues this is where nicola said they kind of missed the mark what i'm glad to say is that a lot of change happened as a result of the campaign which was that you know employment tribunal fees got scrapped um these guidelines did eventually go out if you ask me they were absolutely fucking pathetic um like my little cousin could have done a better <laughs> job however you know at least there was some kind of action 
It ended up taking so long for the government to look into it that a more conservative party took power in parliament and the issue lost a bit of steam. Yeah, and ultimately the government said, like, yeah, we should review the laws and people should be protected, but they didn't change the law or its enforcement. They just sort of said, yeah, we should do better. But Nicholas says there has been a way bigger win than parliament's not-so-groundbreaking recommendations. The impact that the media... Uh, both mainstream media and social media had was such that women became aware of the rights that they already had. So they felt more empowered to speak out against it. Employers were aware of the absolute hounding that PwC got in the press, that they became, uh, they completely changed their dress code policies. It, It became part of like public knowledge, as it were. And for me, that's so important because in order to have a successful change in society, you need either uh, support legally and on a government or parliamentary level, but you also need change within society and within culture, and they need to support each other. And so I guess what I came away with was the fact that, all right, that law was already there, but it wasn't working, but we managed to change the social behaviour or the social awareness of this issue. So actually then that law became much more useful because people were aware that it existed. And the message has spread far beyond the UK. You've heard of Me Too, but what about Kutu? New York Times explains it here in their tweet. Kutu is a pun based on Japanese words for shoe and pain. It's also the name of a new social media campaign that's protesting the expectation that Japanese women must wear high heels to work. The Kutu movement was started by actress and freelance writer Yumi Ishikawa. Yeah, so in June of this year, Yumi tweeted about having to wear two to three inch heels for her part-time job using the hashtag Kutu. That's K-U-T-O-O. She then launched an online petition to ban mandatory heel policies, and it got more than 20,000 signatures. It also got the attention of Japan's labor and health minister, who quickly put his foot down on the Kutu issue. Basically, he came out and said, ladies, 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 like, society accepts that heels are, quote, necessary and reasonable at work. Many people need to realize there is a fundamental sexual discrimination, she says. We need to be angry about this. Now, not surprisingly, Nicola is totally in solidarity with Kutu, and she shares that anger precisely because of the sexual harassment element that she underscored earlier. Yeah, and if you're angry and want to change the law, like Nicola says, you've got to change the culture. And that can happen in big, loud ways, like, you know, circulating a petition Or in more subtle ways. More subtle ways, like watching Fleabag, perhaps. (laughs) Stay with me. Recently, I was talking to a friend who was just blown away by Phoebe Waller-Bridge wearing her now iconic black jumpsuit, not with high heels, but with sneakers. Or, you know, as Nicola would say, trainers. Yes, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying about the power of TV and the power of film. It's like you will see that one image of Fleabag in that killer jumpsuit with trainers and go, oh, it's okay, I'm going to try that. Like, that has such a lasting image. Also, I think what was great about Fleabag is that she's way taller than Andrew Scott. Yeah. And I think it is insane that in, in storytelling, on TV and in film, like, even myself, I've been told, I've worked with actors who've been shorter than me and they've been 
standing on a box or standing on steps in order to appear taller than me. And I'm like, why are we uh, further entrenching these ideas that men must be big, women must be small, dainty? So I'd always be terrified of wearing high heels on first dates, for example, because I wouldn't want to scare him off. I'm like, why is that in my head that someone would be terrified of me because of my height? Like, how is that a threat to a man? And to be, well, to be honest, it's probably a good, like, way of separating the wheat from the chaff because <laughs> if, a, if a man's intimidated by that, then, yeah, he can fuck off. <laughs> okay, y'all. Now we want to know what you think about high heels in the workplace and other bogus dress code standards, too. Hit us up on social at Unladylike Media and join our Facebook group while you're at it. Or y'all can always email us at hello at unladylike.co. And you can go to unladylike.co to find our merch and sign up for our newsletter where you'll get actually good news about women in the world delivered every Wednesday. Abigail Keel is the senior producer of Unladylike. Nora Ritchie is our associate producer. Gianna Palmer is our story editor. Shruti Marate transcribes our tape. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Mixing, sound design, and additional music is by Casey Holford. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Daisy Rosario. Special thanks to the Bison Room in London for recording Nicola. We're your hosts, Caroline Irvin and Kristen Conger. Next week... At my heart, I am a trashy Southern lady. You know, I am a trashy Southern girl who's hanging out by like sm- like chain smoking by the dumpster of a Bojangles a slash also like a kinky 1980s grandma. Those are my two identities, and I oscillate between them. And neither of those girls care too much about whether or not their eyeshadow right. is perfectly blended. They just need there to be a lot of it. We're talking about the power of makeup with two incredible guests. Make sure you're subscribed to Unladylike so you don't miss this episode. Find us in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to pods. And remember, got a problem? Get Unladylike. Oh, man. What what was your Laduca joke? I've been left out of the Laduca Lupa. God, yes. <laughs> Hope we hear from a Laduca rap. <laughs> Stitcher. I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find ten. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Printing donated this guitar. <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket, worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.